the CD, making a big deal of how it was the 20th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper. It was like everybody had forgotten about the 60s until we had this nationwide fit of nostalgia. Suddenly, every station on the radio has gone to some kind of oldies format, and they play the same stuff over and over again that you haven't heard in 20 years, and now you're sick to death of Spirit in the Sky and the year 2525 all over again. Tie-dyed shirts are back, and bands that should never have been together in the first place have reunion tours, and everybody shakes their heads over how dumb and idealistic they used to be. I run a stereo repair business out of the house. Most of the upstairs is my shop. The north wall is my workbench, covered with tools, an oscilloscope, and a digital multimeter, a couple of my clients' boxes with their insides spread out. The wall above it is cork, and there are a million pieces of junk pinned to it. Circuit diagrams, pictures of me and Elizabeth and the cat, phone messages, business cards from my parts people, a big black-and-white poster of Jimi Hendrix that I've had since college. The west wall is windows, partly covered by corn plants, palms, and Diefenbachia that Elizabeth fixed me up with, all rugged stuff that even I haven't been able to kill. The south side is shelves, over and under a countertop. That's where I keep the boxes I'm not currently working on, as well as my own system. Harman Kardon amp, Nakamichi Dragon cassette deck, four Boston Acoustics A70 speakers, linear tracking turntable, CD player, graphic equalizer, monster cables all around. There's something almost spiritual about it. All that matte black, with graphs and numbers glowing cool yellow and white and green, like a quiet voice that tells you everything is going the way it should. It's just hardware, metal and silicon and plastic, but at the same time it has the power to turn empty air into music. That never ceases to amaze me. I only have let it be on vinyl. The second side was playing halfway in, and the long and winding road came on, full of crackles and pops. I was running on automatic, my hair tied back, house shoes on, resoldering a couple of cold joints. The song is just Paul on the piano, a McCartney solo track, really, with a huge orchestra and chorus that Phil Spector dubbed on afterward. A decent tune, though. Even John admitted that. I don't remember the first time I heard it, but I remember the one that stuck. It takes me back to Nashville, early June of 1970. I remember it was a Sunday. I heard this announcement on the radio that my band, the Duotones, was supposed to play that afternoon in Centennial Park. It was news to me. I showed up, and sure enough, there they were, sounding a little hollow and tinny inside the big concrete band shell. And there, in the middle, was their new drummer. Scott, the lead player, came out in the audience during the break and said, We were going to tell you, that promoter we hooked up with, he had his own drummer. I remember being able to see the individual pebbles in the pinkish concrete under the bench. The bench, I think, was green. There wasn't a lot for me to say. My bridges were burned. I had spent the last month flunking out of Vanderbilt, too busy with band practice or protests over the shootings at Kent and Jackson State to go to class. I hadn't managed to stop the war— and now I didn't have a band either. I hung around until they closed my dorm, and then I hit the road. I'd already told my parents I wasn't coming home for the summer, so I just drove on through Dallas, headed for Austin, where Alex was.
She wasn't my girlfriend anymore. We'd broken up the fall before, but then we'd broken up a million times, and if I was there, staying at her house, maybe she would change her mind. All I had was AM radio in my car, and it seemed like they only played two songs that whole trip. One was Joe Cocker's cover of The Letter, with Leon Russell's piano sharp as an ice pick, making me push the gas to the floor and feel the hot wind through the open windows. The other was the long and winding road. It had been a pretty long road for me and Alex. I'd known her since sophomore year in high school, since we were all in drama club together. I'd seen her long hair go from red to brown to black, listened to her rave about everything from astrology to Bob Dylan to BMW motorcycles. I'd spent the last half of my senior year and the summer after helplessly in love with her. It was my first real love affair, full of jealousy and tears, the unendurable...